Hey everyone, Benji and Igor here with another awesome and fun episode of Contractor Revolution. So if you, like a lot of us, are trying to build an amazing team, one hard truth that you're going to need to accept is that some players are just better than others. Um, when it comes to organizational excellence, just anybody won't cut it. And have you ever noticed how some rare individuals just have what it takes to be great while others are average at best? When it comes to recruiting, there are definitely some pools where these high performers swim abundantly. And this is obviously where you would want to look, right? So one such pool is the world of sport. High-performing athletes often translate really well into key roles in our business because their sports careers have indoctrinated them into a certain way of being that we want and need. Now remember this, contracting is fundamentally a team sport driven by people who have grit, perseverance, natural leadership traits, and I would say most importantly, the desire to win. So in this episode, we dive into these parallels between sport and business with national champion football player, Angus Reed. Angus is a two-time Grey Cup champion playing 13 years of professional football, five of them being a team captain and a three-time All-Star. So since wrapping up his football career in 2013, he's been focused on transferring these lessons from his professional sports career into business as a motivational speaker and a leadership coach in companies. Now, in this episode, we dive into this world of attracting and hiring athletes to make your business succeed. Our conversations take us through a number of super interesting topics, including why great athletes are an important talent pool that you need to be looking at if you want to stack your leadership roster. We also get into how to attract and recruit these high-performing athletes into your business. And Angus also helps us understand that not all athletes are the same and that there are a number of traits that we need to interview for if we're going to figure out if someone has in fact driven their own success or just coasted along on talent, or worse, even the talent of others. So let's talk sports and business with Angus Reed. You're listening to Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. If you're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability, you've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Angus Reed, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Benji. Yeah, we're excited to to do this with you. Fired up. Awesome. This is going to be good. Uh, Angus, it was so good to have you last year at the Winter Summit in Whistler. That was such a good time. Uh, I know the BTM members loved it and uh, I love your rocking the shirt. Yeah, gotta uh, gotta gotta wear the brand. You feel part of it when you're there. You know, I like to uh, be a part of what I'm being a part of all the way through, right from the clothing on. Love it, awesome. So, Angus, uh, tell us a bit more about your your incredible background uh, in football and life since. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you thought it was incredible. For me, it was just what I always wanted to do. I I played 13 years pro football for the BC Lions, the CFL, which happened to be my hometown team, which kind of made that dream double great. Uh, won two Grey Cup champion. Chips, uh, multiple-time All-Star, multiple-time team captain. I retired in 2014. I think the thing I was most proud of my career was, though, I was an offensive lineman. Anyone who follows football at all knows that these are gigantic human beings, and, I, and I'm not. I was the smallest. I yeah, <laughs> everything's relative in life, right? I was, the, I was the smallest in the league at what I did my entire career. I was not what they wanted from a, from a measurable standpoint, yet mm-hmm. I did it for 13 years, which in sports terms mean uh, I did it longer than probably 99% of the people that make it. Uh, after retirement, I've spent a lot of time 
speaking around North America and working with companies on enhancing team culture, building a championship elite teams. I've written a, an Amazon bestselling book, Thank You Coach, which spoke to my 10 years with my great football coach and all the lessons I'd learned from him. Done a couple TED Talks. So spent a lot of my time speaking and, and working with businesses to try to enhance performance and team culture. Mm, that's awesome. So like with with the rich background in, in sport, now you've parlayed that into business. Um, I just want to ask you, like, why do you think that athletes, when, when they leave the sport... They, they often end up in business and they're very often high performers. Like, why do you think that is? Well, I think first off, business is competitive and athletics at any high level is hyper competitive. You look at my sport, football, and I always argued it's the most competitive team sport in the world because we only had 18 games in a year. Imagine 18 days to make your year. Imagine that. You don't have off days. You can't. And the other side about football, which is different than other team sports, we didn't have guaranteed contracts. So if you don't perform, you're gone. And there's hundreds of people that want your job, which is just like private business. You know, you perform, you help your team win, or we can find another candidate to do it. So you end up with people that are wired to bring their best when, when it matters and, and when doesn't it matter, right? All the time. And I've given some thought to that in terms of, you know, athletes are, are generally very driven, very competitive, and are used to that type of pressure. But now that I've given some more thought, I'm not sure if sports makes that or if they vet those people out. At a younger age, you know, and when you start playing sports, whether you're talented or not, as the pressure rises, you either like that life or you don't. And by the time you reach the professional level, you're someone that's wired for that. And, and you, you've been confident living in that world. And then you get in the business world, it might be a different day-to-day skill set in terms of business, but the wiring is in you. And, you know, it's been, it's been uh, developed in you totally. over time. Yeah, you've, you've got, from sport, you have the DNA to be successful in business. Yeah, and it's an interesting question. What comes first? Does sport mold that or does it does it vet people out that don't and does it wrap their arms around people that can do that? And, and the sweet spot in athletics is having the physical gifts and then also having the mental wiring because I've played with guys that were physically gifted beyond our dreams, but at the highest level, they, they, they mentally can't handle the pressure. Right. And there's other people I think that are, 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 are mentally wired to handle it. And if they're physically good enough, they make it. And those are the ones I think transfer very well mm-hmm. because as I've learned a long time ago, you know, jumping 48 inches or bench pressing 500 pounds or, or running a 4-4 40-yard dash, that doesn't transfer to business. But handling pressure, uh, preparing, uh, being honest with yourself, handling the criticism of day-to-day life and adapting, that kind of stuff does. Every, everything you just said reminds me of my my swimming career, and I, I you know, w- was not at the level that you were, but I, I swam very competitively throughout high school, and I look at the lessons it taught me. And swimming is like a tough sport; it, it's a huge amount of hours. Uh, it's very, very physically demanding on your lungs. It's like one of those painful ones where you just like it's like cross country skiing. You're just like <gasps> the whole time, and. There's there's a few things I was, I was thinking about th- this conversation we we're going to have. There's a few things that I really pulled from that experience. Um, one of them was just to embrace the mundane, embrace the suck, embrace the suck. Right. Like you're going to have to spend 22 hours a week staring at the bottom of the pool and only able to breathe about every three strokes. And that's going to be like 99% of it. Like the real glorious moments are going to be very few and far between. And business is like that. Totally. Like it's a week in, week out, the clock restarts. You got to, you got to go perform. You got to go get some results. Um, the, the objectivity and the focus on like 
numbers and results is another big one as well. Um, in swimming, we would say like, you know, the water never changes and the clock doesn't lie. So you, there's absolutely no hiding from the performance that you just put up. You can't sugarcoat it. Yeah. The time was the time. And again, like that's something in business now, I'm super, super proud of that where it's like you can, we, we can have a sucky quarter and I will be like, that was really sucky and that was my fault. Totally. Let's do better next time. But so anyway, th th those are a few lessons for me that when you're, when you're a young teenager, you're just kind of going through the motions. You don't even get the impact that it has, the springboard effect that it has for you later in life. And now I'm like, man, am I glad that my parents drove me to the pool at five in the morning, like five days a week. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And, and there's a different conversation when you talk about a, an individual sport to a team sport. But the, the part about accepting the truth early on and that it's not a, a variable that you can control. You know, I've been told a long time ago that, you know, our job as adults is to prepare our children for the road and not try to alter the road for them. And the way to do that is to get them exposed to the truth early and show that to improve, you need to work at it and get better. We can't make it easier and bend things and adjust to whatever you feel like doing. This is what it is. And, and you said a word there, the truth. And, and my offensive line coach who I wrote the book about in football, he would call game film the truth. So in, in football, once you get to the highest level, absolutely everything you do is filmed. Everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll film stretch. Why? They want to see what your personality is like today after a bad loss. Do you mm -hmm. care? What's your body language? What are you coming to work at? And then every single drill gets filmed. So you are critiqued, graded, and judged on everything you do. And you either learn to accept that or you don't. And you're going to have to watch that in front of everybody. So, you know, every act you do is publicly reviewed. And then you get in the business world and it's like, could you imagine if everyone was filmed all day? Uh, you know, you, you, you call the authorities because I don't <laughs> you get away with that. But I was wired to know that's normal. I, I, I can't hide my performance Everyone will see it every day. You bring your best and you accept that it might not be great, but we're going to publicly improve it. And that's mm. learning to handle the truth and not just handle it, embracing it. Because that's will only get better if we're dealing with the truth. If we start sugarcoating it and hiding it, working around it, uh, we're not only weakening ourselves, but we are making sure that we will never become our best. Mm -hmm. and, 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 we're, and we're weakening our ability to handle that reality that we're going to get hit in the face with sooner or later. So in practice every day, you got to prep someone with dealing with it. And sports does that. So when you look back at your, at your football career from, from a young guy, um, was this, was this, were these traits that you had as a kid or was this bred into you through sports? Bit of both. I think I was one of those probably tweeners that I grew up loving sports. My brothers had played it. So I, I loved the concept of it. And then I got into it and I go, there's a lot of hard stuff here. And all of a sudden you're going to criticize and the coaches. And I, I'm so blessed that when I first started playing, I didn't have coaches that made sure everyone was always happy and told they were great. And they weren't ruthless either, either but they were gently starting to expose you to your realities because they wanted to see you do well. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do well mm -hmm. is to show you what you're not good at so we can get better. And I struggled with that, but I had to keep focus on the, why am I doing this? Because I love what I'm doing and you learn to accept it. And then I gradually learned to embrace it because I thought that's the only way I'm going to get better is hearing the truth of where I'm at and then learn to close that gap. And I think a lot of people that don't expose that, they hide from that gap of where you're at to where you want to be. And they just hope no one else ever sees wow. that. Athletes want to know it. I, I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that, especially when you're, you're trying to run a business, you're trying to grow a team, you're trying to hire the right people. Um, 
we, we hear this from our members all the time. Like there is so much average out there. There is so much sugar coating out there. There are so many people that think that they're a rock star when realistically they're maybe a C plus. And um, I, I just feel like that sport environment cuts through that very, very quickly at an early age. And that's probably why, you know, when people go into the trades, they go into business, they go into management, they go into sales uh, after a successful athletic career, they, they really do just like, it's, it's almost easy for them. It is, but I, I know athletes that have been frustrated when they go to certain environments that water down the competitiveness because they want to appease to a certain totally. generation gap that they're scared to be like that. And these athletes are going to go, I can't work here. Like yeah. this, people are scared to talk about the truth. I mean, I, I, you know, I've dealt with the truth my whole life to the point that I'm angry when I know that you're not being honest with me mm. because we're wasting time here and I need to get better. You know, I, I was told a long time ago that, you know, a- average, average, well, average athletes want to be left alone. Good athletes want to be coached. Great ones want to be told the truth. And yeah. I think when you find the great one, uh, they need to be told the truth. They get in the business world and they now they're in a place where some people are kind of, they dance around because they don't want to hurt feelings. They get pissed off. It's like, look, I want to get better right now. Totally. We're wasting time here. Totally. And I think in a growing business, especially a growing contracting business, which is so people driven, right? There's relatively little technology. Everything's human labor-based. One of the biggest challenges as you grow the team is you need people who are accountable to themselves, right? And you talk about the idea of being filmed all the time and being graded all the time. Um, This is where I think there's one of those very powerful transfers, which is uh, when you're talking about strong athletes, um, there's often this trait where they hold themselves accountable and hold themselves to a high standard, right? When no one's watching them and supervising them, how are they leading their crews, right? How are they overseeing the sales team? Is it at a high standard? Because that's what they've been held to their whole life, right? And, uh, and, and I think that there, there's a lot to be said for that when, when, when you have a prospective employee in front of you that, that's had a successful sports background, not just because they're talented, but because they've held themselves to that standard, likely these, some of these types of traits are going to transfer. And in my experience, I've hired a huge number of people. Then, so many interviews. Um, one of the big patterns I've observed is that people typically don't change. And if they are, and they, if they have been a certain way when it comes to how hard they work, the type of standard that they hold themselves to, um, how much they're willing to persevere mentally, if they have that to a very, very high degree, mm. um, that would have been prevalent through their whole life and it will continue to into the business world. Yeah. And I think Benji, I'm going to, something that you had said earlier where, you know, a lot of these people, they think they're killing it, but they're like C plus. Yeah. And I think unfortunately, if you haven't played sports and even if you have, unless you were lucky to have a really great coach that their mission was to find out how good you can become and their job was to help you that a lot of people don't know that it's a C plus. They've never seen a better standard. They've never been exposed to it, right? And they've always been told they're doing great. If you've always been told you're doing great at C+, you think C+, is great. And I hate to say, that's not your fault. That's, right. that's, that's society's fault to letting you know that's really great when it's not. And so I think our job as leaders and, and, and coaches all the way through was, again, we talk about the truth. And the truth is not just where you're at, but the truth is, this is what great is. Okay, this is where yeah. it's at. And, and you need to know that. And then you need to realize, wow. I'm a long way off. And then you find out who you are saying, I want to close that gap. And then great coach go, okay, this is what it's going to take. All that time underwater. All, this is what it is. And you're like, I don't want to do that. Okay, now 
you've made a conscious decision that you don't want to be an A. When a lot of people think a C plus is an A because they've never been shown anything else and now we're scared to show them that because that might hurt their feelings. And and you know what? All you've done is guaranteed a ceiling on their ability to become great. Totally. This piece is so big because I think so many of our listeners have the ability to actually be like a really positive force in society right now. You talk about this all the time. Like, Oh, it feels like it's softening, like standards are eroding. We don't keep score anymore and everyone gets a trophy. And like, if you, through your business and the people that you've assembled on your team can create a culture of excellence, show people where they're at, show them the gaps and develop them. Not only are you making those individual people better, I think that that is truly a healthy force for where we're at in the world right now. But you can only do that, Benji, if you have the raw material and the people around you that are willing to not only play at that level, but are willing to look at themselves objectively. I, I agree with you, Igor. You, you can't, I agree with you that you really can't change people. But yeah. you know what you need to do is show people what excellence is. And I will say there are some people in the world, I don't want to say change, but have realized they can do a lot more than they can, or they can't, but that's going to be up to them to but make they decisions. have to be willing yes. to look at themselves objectively. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the kid who, who, who grew up their whole life thinking that the C plus is exceptional, they might not have the ability to look at themselves objectively and that level of introspection. And that's coming back to to the whole sports discussion. I think that's one of the really powerful things is that you grow up being able to take that feedback critically and well. Yeah. And I don't want to go on a sidetrack here, but this is where we got to be careful with you sports that we don't lose that. Everybody can't win. Everyone can't get the trophy or else showing up is winning. And we all know in reality, that's not good enough. And so, you know, it's not just sports does it. Proper sports does that. And proper sports to me has always shown a little Johnny the truth. Hurry on. And then little Johnny gets to decide, go home and cry that he wasn't very good and they didn't win. And he goes to dad and then dad goes, okay, that's true. What do you want to do about it? I'm happy to help, but I can't win for you. Yeah. And they learn quickly who you are. And, got, and little Johnny goes, I want to get better. Okay, here's the long road. Here's the embracing the suck because it's worth it. And then they learn. And that's, that's the greatness of sport. The yes. greatness of sport is not, look at all these cool dry fit shirts I got when I was young because they're going to show up in the business going, how cool is the clothing? Oh, I'm part of this group now. And it's like, no, this is what it is. It's a level of excellence. And you're like, yeah, I know. I know what that's about. And everything else is just, uh, you know, accessory. But we have to be very careful not to make greatness about the stuff you get and, and, and you know, being able to tick a box saying I showed up because that's transferring the business world. Totally. So sports still has to, at the young age, go, this is, this is the truth. This is winning. This is losing. And this is what it takes to improve. And you do learn those things. And you're going to get uh, more people entering the business world Again, it doesn't matter that it was soccer and now it's whatever business. It's that wiring of going, okay, this is where I'm at. It's not good enough. This is where we want to go. And as a leader, you go, this is, this is A+. plus. This is how we operate here. Good. Thank you for showing me the bullseye. And I'm going to find out what it takes to hit it because that's who I am. And that's taught early on or it's not. And you're right. It's hard to reteach that. I mean, if it's not fair. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think you can, I think there's a, a point in time where it's just too late and th- yeah. that, th- those individuals just won't. won't I've won't had a lot lesson. of struggles with that, right? Like, you know, you know, you know, this Benji on our team, like I, I do hold a pretty high standard with a lot of people of like, what, what is the line of what's good enough? And, and I've learned over time that there's certain people that you can hold that standard with and there's others that you just can't because they're not wired in their upbringing that way. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we joke about like pushing a wet noodle, but you, you can't, they they won't go. Yeah. And it comes back to the initial question. Does sports build that in people or does it vet them out? 
And so when you're choo- you know, when you're a business owner now, you're looking for an athlete. Was are you thanking sports for doing it, or are you thanking sports for getting rid of for for pre vetting people that don't have that? And I don't know that absolute answer. Maybe it's a bit of both. But either way, sports at the high level has has either vetted them out or groomed them. So you have totally. people that if they've succeeded at that level, they're able now to be to hand, not only handle the truth, embrace the truth, and deal with uh, trying to close those gaps because they want to win. Totally. And I want to dive into this later and touch on some of this vetting stuff. Um, but even just to mention it quickly here, there's a huge difference in the type of athlete, right? we got to be very careful to not use the word sports or athlete <laughs> generically. Because right. there's something that has separated you from the 999 others or maybe 9,999 others <laughs> that, you've, that, that you've come across. Right? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, again, there's playing sports and there's playing at elite level. And then there's playing it for a long time at elite level. Totally. There, there's huge gaps there. And, you know, some people make it because they're gifted athletically. And, I, and I've been around athletes their whole life that have had the red carpet rolled out to them because they were taller than everyone, faster than everyone, uh, you know, bigger and stronger. And everyone else basically did their quote unquote daily homework. They did all the work because yeah. they just wanted to bring these people along. I feel sorry for those people mm. because when when sports end for them or the knee injury or they get old too old to do it, they haven't learned transferable skills. They were just big, strong, and fast. And but you know, it's the ones that said, "This is what I'm going to do no matter what," and I'm going to find answers when and I'm going to look for solutions and I'm going to look for mentors and I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to do what they say and I'm going to keep gauging: Am I getting ahead or am I falling behind? And they'll do whatever it takes. And those are the ones I think that you said will transfer because. That is transferable where big, strong, fast is only good until you get too old or knee blows out and they throw you aside. Totally. And now you don't know what to do. And, and th- those people after the fact, they, they generally speaking probably don't roll into really successful lives. It's fraught with challenge after they leave it's the sad. sport. Yeah. It's sad. And I, I hate to say it's not their fault. Those are the ones that the adults and the coaches had weakened them by making it easy for them yeah. instead of pushing yeah. them to yeah. see how far they could go. And that's a whole different conversation that we don't need to go in here. But you know, we're talking about the ones that transfer well. They're generally the ones, and they might be, they might have been extremely gifted, maybe not, but they're the ones that are wired to always deal with reality, compete with everything they have, not just with the other people, but most yeah. importantly with themselves. So they're not just trying to get ahead of you in the charts. They're trying to get ahead of themselves yesterday in the charts. I mean, I'm going to tell you a great quote that our, our general manager, Wally Bono, would remind us every day. You want to talk about competitiveness. He would sometimes start our team meetings by saying, listen, guys, just so you know, and he was a general manager, every day my job is to replace you. That's terrifying. Yeah, and, then, right. and then we'd go in this other meeting with my positional coach and he'd say, guys, Wally's right. Every day his job, and there's thousands of applicants that want my job. I don't have a guaranteed contract. So he's like, every day his job is to, you know, find a way to replace you, upgrade. But you have a choice. We can replace you with someone different or we can replace you with a better version of yourself. So that comes down to competing every day to upgrade yourself because every company, every team has to be daily improving or you fall behind. So, you know, you can outsource that and bring people in, which is hard on culture, or you can have people that are wired to every day be better than, than they were yesterday, which is going to keep your team yeah. going. And that's a certain type of individual that's either been trained that way or yeah. just, you know, innately was wired. Yeah. For our listeners, I think as a business owner, it's so important to understand that distinction, right? And to not use the word athlete that someone has been an athlete or has played sports generically because because it, it can look so many different ways. Um, yeah, just because you play like one year of badminton in high school, like doesn't mean you're going to be a stud <laughs> for the rest of your life. Like to be clear, totally. this, this is, I don't want people to think this is like some buzzword and anytime they see 
any semblance of sports in their background. No. It's an immediate hire. There are deeper layers Absolutely. to this. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this one. So I've now built a number of, of organizations that have, that have tr- scaled tremendously. I don't know how many people know this, but I've never, ever in my life had a classic job as an employee. And right from the early days of starting a painting company at a fairly young age, the only experience I had up to that point was playing basketball. And it's funny, my, my, my little brother jokes about this a lot because uh, he was a higher level player than I was. But the fact that I wasn't super talented naturally and that I wasn't large uh, naturally was a huge asset for me now when I look back at it. Because to play even at the level that I did, I had to train so hard, so tenaciously, like eh, like throughout the summers of high school, every single summer, every day, I was in the gym, plyometrics, weight training, shooting practice. Uh, during the during the school year, it was school, school all day, straight to practice every evening, to weightlifting. There is a there's a huge gift that comes with that, with not being the biggest guy, the most talented guy. Um, and, and I think that those are really the skills that transfer into business because that's where you learn to persevere. You learn to work extremely hard. You learn to lead yourself mentally. Um, so it can look so many different ways. Had I been extremely talented, I could have played at the same level, but not learned any of those things. Mm. And when I got into the business world where I had to work 80 hours a week, when 12 of my painters quit within one month, when I'm faced with all this adversity, I wouldn't have known how to deal with it. And I think what's huge, what you just said, and I think it's very important when you look at the people that, you know, you, you spoke about, there's a difference between elite athletes and general athletes. And I think there's also a difference between elite athletes that have no business being there. Yep. And you speak about that because all those extra training hours and plyometrics, you didn't have a coach making you do that. That was voluntary. That was on you because you're like, I know what it's going to take and I'm going to do it. And that's yep. all on you. Yep. you know? and no that matter was, how hard it is, I'm making it up. And I, you know, I always pitted myself as, as I was an underdog with what I didn't have, but I played that up hard, which gave me the fuel to, to train double hard on the weekends, on the holidays, because that was my way of getting ahead. And again, no coach was making me do it. Coaches could care less if you're going to do that. They're, they're catering to the gifted people, right? Yep. And that was the key that you did all that voluntarily. And all those things come in business, right? Because yeah. there, we all know as a leader in business, all there, there's so many situations that are presented to you where only you can make the choice of, am I going to do the right thing, the best thing here and just make it happen, right? And those are the kind of people- And it's whatever that, it takes. It's whatever it You're takes. You're not looking around going, what did the coach say? No, you got to do it. Just do it. Whatever it takes. And those are the kind of people that you want on your team, right? So- Here's the question then is, is as a business leader, especially in such a human labor driven industry like contracting, what does it take to attract these type of athletes we're talking about? These type of athletes we're talking about. How do you set up your business uh, to attract them, to appeal to them, to recruit them? What are high performing athletes looking for? I think they're looking for more than just a good paycheck and a nice, easy life. They're looking for the opposite. They're looking for a challenge that's worthy of bringing their best to. And I think any any player that's been a part of an organization, and I can't speak to elite individual athletes because it's a little bit different, but people that have played team sports, they're wanting to be part of an organization that holds a high standard standard. Yep. You know, you look in sports and you see these in anyone that follows the NFL or football. Some of these guys are great athletes and sooner or later they want to play for the Patriots. Why? Because they know they'll be forced to become the best they possibly can. Mm-hmm. And sooner or later you've made enough money or you've done it. You want to see how good you can be. So you want to come to an organization that's going to challenge you 
that's going to challenge you with something that's worthy of your talents and your time, that's going to inspire you to, to do more than just show up and get paid pretty good for getting through the motions because they're going to get tired and bored and, and frankly, angry quickly because without challenge they're going to realize they're wasting their gifts because their whole life has been pursuing something that's just in front of them totally. it's never just been given to them on a plate it's out in front and they want to know what's going to take to get there and you want to be challenged in, a, in an area where they're not just going to let you slide and get by you know someone's going to say look we, we we're going to expect this of you and we're going to push you right and, and you and you're going to find out quick as a business owner what kind of athlete you have the guy goes you better be pushing me or someone's gonna be like i don't know i kind of want to just hide in the corner and you're going to see right away that athletes are going to respond to a challenge that's, that's going to let them, and this is interesting if you're a business owner, you have to know that you're dealing with an athlete and you have to do enough homework to realize uh, what's going to make this person go. And all you got to do is look, look at, take five seconds, whether you don't understand their sport or not, what position they play, call the coach and they're going to let you know what, drive, what drove this person and feed them that in your business, whatever that may be in terms of uh, the responsibility, the pressure, the situation where they go, this is where this person thrives and give that to them. Totally. And it's interesting to think, uh, like when you really look at it objectively and ask yourself, how good is my recruiting game? when it comes to attracting these people, because so many business owners, you, you hear these common complaints of there just aren't enough good people out there, people that, will, that, that hold themselves accountable, perform at a high level. But you know, as you say, if an athlete or any other high performer for that matter is looking for that level of excellence where, where they perform well as a team, they push each other, they work cohesively, is that apparent in your recruiting? And for most companies, 99% of companies, when I look at the recruiting scene, that's not the case, right? It's, it, it's you threw up the pretty shitty ad. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't communicate, it doesn't ooze high performance, team, collaboration, holding each other to a high standard, right? Um, offer them a challenge. Offer them a Don't challenge. offer them a job. Okay, you know, I, you know, I didn't want to play sports because it was a job. I wanted to play because it was going to test me to see could I do this? And it was going to reward me accordingly, not just with money, but with the knowledge that I did something that most of the world didn't think I could do. And I wasn't 100% sure, but I'm going to go after it. So you, you put out there a challenge that's going to, it's going to bring people in that says, I'm going to, I can do this. Totally. I'm going to kick some ass here. So like when you're, you know, like our, our guys and girls like listening to this, they're, they're maybe wondering, well, how do I write a job posting in a certain way to, to communicate this? How do I talk to an applicant on the phone about my business in a certain way? When I go to interview them, should I like, do I tell them that it's really hard? Like, are you actually saying we should open and like open up the messaging with this, this whole idea? Like you are coming here. It is going to be a challenge. Um, you're going to learn a huge amount from it, but but this is not going to be a soft landing. If that's what you're looking for, it you is know, what it well, is no, what these guys no, are looking for. No, but like for. not 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 every single job in, in your company needs needs a super high performance crazy. You can't have everyone you know certain job titles, but if you right. if your role is looking for someone that's going to lead a group and lead a team and go in there, yeah. then you know what we're talking sales managers, yeah. production managers, like make it exciting. Yeah, totally, give someone a worthy challenge. I'm going to say okay, and you know what athletes too are are are, are used to saying. If I perform, I get rewarded. You know, that's an incentive-based career where it's like, you know totally. what, here's not just the money you show up. This is where we're going. If we get there, there's, there, there's a big lion's share of win. I'm going, okay, I'm going to get there because that's what I want. And I got to find out what it takes. And the athletes, like you said, they're going to go, I don't know everything that's gonna, that it's going to take yet, but I'm the kind of guy that's going to find out and just do it. And whatever yeah. it takes, I want to get to the other side of that mountain because that's where the pot of gold is. I'm going to get you there. Totally. 
challenge. A, a real challenge. athlete is wired to attain, right? We call it attainment. It's a huge thing that we look for in, in these high-performing roles because there's a natural, as you say, pre-wiring of there's something to achieve. I'm going to go work my ass off to make it happen. And I want to see the reward at the end of the day. Yeah. If it's not a challenge, they're not gonna, it's not totally. interesting. Now, Benji, to your question, coming back to the recruiting piece, right? I, 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 our, our website is a good example, right? When you click on our join the team page, what's there? It's it's a wicked video and a written description speaking to like, what is that grand mission that we're trying to impact our part of the world in, right? We're attracting them based on what we are looking to achieve and how we're going to make the world better. And then the type of people that we're looking for to do that, right? And then after that, when you, you can click into each job posting, each ad, we start with it's not about what we need in them or the job duties or anything like that. It's all about what makes us such a kick-ass team mm-hmm. and how we work together. That's literally the first half of the entire, in the pictures and the writing and everything. You know what's cool, you know what's cool about framing it that way too is, is you're not only um, a- attracting the people with the right wiring, but you're simultaneously repelling the people with the wrong totally. wiring. And you know what you're also doing? You're forcing yourself to keep auditing yourself. Are we, yeah. are we a high order? Because you say, how do we, how, you know, how do we pitch this? Well, don't pitch it. Tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, well, I'm not sure what to say, then you don't know what you stand for. Totally. You know, you shouldn't be overthinking this. You know, you think the New England Patriots going, how do we message this? It's, <laughs> you, you, you reek of excellence yeah, yeah. with everything you do. Yeah. You just show up and they're like, we know what it's going to be like. Word of mouth. Uh, you, you know, your, 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 your brand is out there. It's not like, you know, let's workshop how we should say it. Speak the truth. And if and if it's not high excellence, then you have some internal thinking to do totally. going, look, we got to raise our own standards. We got to know how it. are we acting instead of going, how do we pitch this? Like, you know, you're just lying. And they're going to find out two weeks later and get pissed off. And then you're going to water down your image because like these guys are just trying to manipulate people in here. Be your message. So you don't be think, your message. You don't think Bill Belichick like introduces new players and he goes, he doesn't well, care. Welcome to the team. No. Um, we're, it, we, we try really hard here, but you he know, couldn't it's, we just shit. really want you to feel welcome. No. And, like, that's no. not how he does no. it. I, he doesn't care if you're the league MVP because he cut, he cut Tom totally. Brady afterwards. Anyway, he said he doesn't say anything. They go about their business at a level that's such high excellence that people either want that or they don't. And he's not going to go out and beg and steal. And I understand in the world now you're recruiting, but your recruitment should be, this is who we are. Authentic and real. This is who we are. You, you should be proud of your standards. Hmm. And you should let the world know this is how we operate. And if you have to kind of go, how oh, should we say this? Then you're not sure. That, that, that's, say your truth. That, that's a bigger problem. If, if, you're, if you're having to go, huh, what do we, how do I write this? You, then that's, don't, because you're in, lying. Yeah. You know, you, you just, really just live your truth, speak your truth, promote your truth, recruit with your truth. And if you're not confident about it, then change your damn truth before you start trying to sell right. other people on nonsense. Yeah. That's one of the most amazing things. I realized that pretty early on in my business career is if you're going to lead high performers, you have to play at a certain game. 100%. You're modeling. You know, nobody gives a damn what you say. They're watching how you behave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, you you want to demand discipline. Be, Be more disciplined than anybody. You have to showcase and model beyond the level that you're expecting other people to. And, and you, if you are lucky enough to even have mediocre to high performers, they're going to raise up to you. Totally. They're going to go, they're going to go to wherever you're at. They're going to do it naturally. Tell me about your experience with that. I mean, you led a pretty high performing team. Like you, you talked about in your career being captain multiple years. What, um, how did that affect you mentally? Like, were you always aware how much people were watching you? A, a little bit, but I will back up and, and say, 
you know, I, my coach who I wrote a whole book about it for 10 years was the hardest working, most disciplined, mm. high performance person I'd ever seen. So he rubbed off on me every single day. And all I had to really do was follow his lead. And then I tried to do that every day. And then I really embraced the burden of being the leader of our group. You know, I played center, so those that didn't follow football, those five giants up front, I was the one in the middle that snaps the ball, but on top of just snapping the ball, I would have to coordinate uh, how we're going to do things, uh, deal with, you know, in 10 seconds of seeing what the defense is doing, making quick decisions, getting that out to everybody, and not just getting it out, but getting it out with confidence so they're like, you don't know what he's talking about. They just, yes, we're right. in. Let's go. Let's go right now. And, and there's reps in that, but, you know, really it was about um, getting the confidence from my coach that I could push out the confidence to my people around me and then realizing, listen, we're not always going to be right, but we're all in with whatever we're doing. And, you know, my coach always say, and I'm sure it's showing through in this uh, podcast, that volume affects confidence. Right. If all that really means is if you're going to do something, do it with some gusto. You know, so if you're going to recruit somebody or you're going to showcase your brand, have some balls and stand up and do it right. And don't just kind of go, hey, we're really excellent here. We're great. Like, you know, <laughs> have some pride in who you are and what you're doing. And people will either like it or they won't. But at least if they do, they'll embrace behind you going, this person believes in what they're saying. 100%. Angus, what, like I, uh, it's funny, I just did a webinar ran a webinar yesterday on, on recruiting. And, and one of the key themes I really tried to get across is, is not even just so much like the technical aspects of how to write a perfect job posting and, and the mechanics of an interview. Like all that stuff is technique and that can be taught. The one thing I want people to hear is like, you got to sell it, man. Like sound excited. Totally. If you pick, if you like pick up the phone, you're like, yeah, well, it's a, pre it's a pretty cool job. And um, it's like 20 bucks an hour. Like who cares, yeah. right? Like you, you should be, you should be talking to every applicant as if like you were the most excited person in the world. And this is the coolest company yeah. and the coolest job that they could ever even look at. And totally. if it's anything less than that, the A players, the people that you want on your team, they've got four of their interviews that week and they're yeah. going to go to the person who is excited. Yeah, And I'll one up you. If you want to go after elite performers, you let them know, maybe this isn't for you. Cause this is what we're going to expect. Totally. You know, you find out who someone is and you say, oh, I think you're unbelievable. You're going to do so well and go, you know what? This is going to be challenging. It's going to be tough. There's huge awards. It's not yeah. for everybody. And you know what? It's, it's, it takes a really special person to fill this role. Yeah. And someone goes, that's me. Mm -hmm. Or, the, you know, kind of go, I, I think you're going to be unbelievable. You're going to be so great. You're going to be amazing. You know what? I've had my ass kicked for 20, uh, kissed for 25 years. I need a damn challenge. And the guy says, listen, this is going to be a tough go but the rewards are going to be amazing. And that's the way we hold things here. Not everyone can do this at our level here. And totally. that's what makes us different. Someone's like, shit, okay, I want to do this. Yeah. You find out quick who that person is. Totally. Do they not call you back? And they're like, they show up tomorrow going, thank you for giving me something worthy of my energy. And when you are a high, high performing organization, when you are this, this evolved kind of contractor, we all know what the general scene looks like out there. There are relatively few companies that, that expect and that play at this kind of standard. And what you're saying, I guess it's okay to shout that from the rooftops in your recruiting. You know, Why not? when uh, it's uh, this memory is coming to me, Igor, I remember like, like day one, when, when at least I started with Breakthrough Academy, I met you in that gas station in Kitsilano and you handed me the computer. You said to me, you're like, you're like we're, we're going to do a lot of amazing things on this computer. It's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. Totally. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, and you responded to that, right? Yeah. It just was like, it was a good little shot across the bow where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is not going to be a cakewalk. It's good. And here we are. It was not. No, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. So Still isn't. Yeah. So it, I, I think that, I, I love what you guys are saying. Like, it's it's absolutely okay to challenge. It's okay to exude the confidence and the expectations fully in the way that you recruit. And if you're copywriting, if you're writing in your ads and the, and the joining the team section of the website doesn't echo that, it needs another look. If you don't have a video that can sh 
that can spread your message better than the words, you should think about that. All of your job postings for every single role, they shouldn't just be about what is needed, your job description, your duties and your compensation and all that other stuff. That can go later. The bulk of it is about how how you guys perform as a team and what's expected of you and the type of standard that we're, that, that, that we're looking for. Yeah, because I think you're going to find out if, if they don't fit that after the fact, if you don't put it there. And that's on you. Totally. You, wanna, you want to see who's going to rise to the challenge of the job description, mm-hmm. not who falls later when you find out that that's not who they are because they wanted to make this salary and they exactly. thought they could do this job. You know, I always say in any type of interview process, the most important thing is find out what this person's made of, not what they what they know how to do. And the easiest way to do that is to put stress on them right off the bat or put the challenge on them right off the mm-hmm. bat and watch the response. And if they, 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 if they respond to you, you can teach them anything you want afterwards. Go, okay, these are fighters. Yeah. That's who I want. Totally. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit because I think there's some super important distinctions to make. And I, and I touched on it briefly, briefly earlier, but th- there's a huge difference in, in athletes, right? And talents and the experiences they've been through, we can label it as one. So we've, we've talked about two important points so far on this episode. We talked about why some athletes do make exceptional leaders in business. And we talked about number two, we talked about some of the things that you can or should be doing to attract these people to recruit these people. Thirdly, now I want to talk a bit about um, about understanding this difference between a real high performer and someone that might fit really well into your, especially your leadership structure, and those that maybe have been just a talented athlete but don't possess to, mm. possess those traits. Mm-hmm. So, Angus, when you look back at your at your career, what are some of the things and the experiences that you've been through? that you think translated so well into business that got deeply wired into you all the way through? Uh, the easiest one for me was that I was not what they were ever looking for. Mm-hmm. I wanted this, you know, uh, the, these measurables would mean nothing to your audience. And I'm, I'm six foot one, the average height for my position is six, four to six, six, you know, every measurable possible, I was way below the charts. So, so what'd you have to do? So I had to do everything else. You know, I had to do everything else outside of having the, the, the obvious gifts, you know, so I didn't have the, the, the first page resume. So I had to come up with the back end phone book of stuff, you know, everything else. So my whole life was all about how can I bring value where they're not even looking for it or that they may not want until they have it. And that was an ongoing process to me to say a couple of things. How do I bring value? And, and then the easiest way that I, I gained my job security and, and built my career was every moment in my life, I thought, how can I make the players around me better? And that's a, that's a different type of wiring now where a lot of people are like, how can I, how can I do better to showcase myself mm. better? And I always came to work going, what can I do to make everyone around me better? And the team wins. I get a better career out of it and I become more important. And it was all about, you know, it was weird job security because you're looking out for yourself. And the easiest way to do that was help the team win, whatever that takes today, whatever it's going to take. And that opens your mind to stop doing, well, it's not my job. This mm-hmm. is my job. It's like, no, our job is to win. Let's totally. kick some ass, whatever that's going to take. And so for 20 years, my life was showing up and being hyper-conscious of not just, this is my job. It's going, this is my team. Right. Here's the team totally. objectives. Here's, here's the measurables as a team. I'm part of this team. What's it going to take to help them win? And I'm going to do any of it. Mm. Totally. And to that point, so when we dive into an interview with someone who has been an athlete, it's your job as a business owner to delineate was that person a true leader on the team, as you're talking about, where their whole focus was to make others better because that's what they're going to do when they're working for you? Or were they just a bystander on a good team? Because they might have that ring just like you do. Yeah. 
Um, but they could have been a bystander. So, or, or not just a bystander, were they insanely talented? Yeah. Maybe they were a great player, but they, they didn't have and that's this different. sort of, like, I hate to call you this, totally. but like the runt of the litter no, story. No, I agree. I agree like, with you. Like that, that's, that's what makes you so good now. Whereas if somebody's like, well, I, I ran a four, four naturally yep. and I'm six, five and like totally jacked. Good at signing autographs, right? Yeah. Like that, that's not actually what you're looking for despite yeah. all the rings. So here yeah. you go. They, you know, maybe they give you your, their reference letter. A couple things. Call the coach and try to try to call one former teammate. Find out who they were like in the locker room. How were they like when they lost games? Okay. Here's another question too. So I played 10 years sports at this level. How many times have you been cut from a team? Never. I was always the greatest player. Okay, so you don't understand adversity yet. Okay, mm-hmm. I get that. Totally. It's cut four times. Oh, this guy's a fighter. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, um, any major injuries? Uh, yeah, I shattered my foot. I'm telling myself. And my, and my coach at the pro level said my career was over. And I said, no, when I played three more years, won another great cup, won a championship. Okay, this person's not afraid of working through adversity, even when yeah. the world told you you're done. Right, awesome. have you, have, you know, those types of things. I love that. I just want to interject it for a second and come back to, if you remember, I guess it was a couple months ago, you and I sat outside for an hour and a half having coffee talking about this injury. Yeah. I want to bring that story <laughs> back because I think it's so powerful. And I want to just to capture what we closed out about on this whole interviewing thing. Leadership, super important to interview for that. Do they care about the people around them? Were they but, ever a captain? Were they ever a team captain? Ever? Now let's move to the second one though, because I want to come back to the story. Can you tell us quickly the story of that night sure. and what happened with the foot and what ensued right there? I'll after? try to make it quick. So 2009, I was nine years into my pro career. I hadn't had a serious injury yet, been really lucky. Uh, we were playing Saskatchewan, which, which kind of sucks to begin with, but that's okay, sidebar <laughs> there. Anyways, running a normal play and I ended up putting my foot on the ground, getting hit by a bunch of people and I shattered my foot. Liz Frank fracture, as you know, I broke my foot completely in half, tore every ligament, shattered every bone across the top. And in the moment, I just, I just knew something hurt. Uh, and, and I made this silly decision. I'd tell people don't do this, but I kept playing. I played the two and a half quarters on a shattered foot because I'm just stubborn and I'm crazy. At the end of that game, I had to come home for surgery and I was told I would never run again, which is hilarious because I don't think I ran very well to begin with. I'm just a stubby <laughs> little center. And, uh, you know, they had to rebuild my foot and they put the two screws in there and I wouldn't have flexion. I was 34 years old at the time, knowing that they would replace me in a heartbeat because they could find someone that was six foot five and whatnot. But I went about my business trying to rehab and get ready for the next season. And I came in and they told me about two weeks before training camp uh, that I wouldn't be a starter anymore because I couldn't play anymore. And I would uh, be a backup mentor, the person that's going to replace me and I'd retire at the end of the year. And I remember internally and then verbally back saying, no, I will win my job back. I will not make a peep in the media. I will not become a nuisance. I'll, I'll, I was still devoted a team captain. And I said, I'll be the best mentor you, you'll see, but I will win my job back. And I did. And then we finished the season. I was a starter. Got started in 2011. I was the all-Canadian center, top, top center in the country. We won the Grey Cup at home. 2012 was another all-star center. We were one game short. And 2013 was my last year. So, you know, I learned a valuable lesson there that crazy stuff happens you don't plan for. All that matters is how do you respond and that's going to dictate who you are, right? Bad things happen in sports. Injuries are, are kind of the the, 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 the norm. main one, right? Yeah, but that's a big that's a big sidetrack that not every job, it's an injury, but, you know, and it's going to make you assess, do you still want this when it becomes really hard? And are you still willing to do it even when certain people in, in quote unquote authority are going to say, I don't think you can anymore. All that matters in life, what do you say? And what are you willing to do? And that's where I think when you're interviewing people, Talk about their sports adversities. Totally. How many times you've been cut? How many injuries you've had? How many how many hardships have you suffered? And if they haven't had one yet, well, you don't know how they're going to respond when stuff goes sideways. If they got a laundry list of them and they kept going, 
that to me speaks way more volumes over their sports talent, which really doesn't transfer very it well. It doesn't. No, it, it actually doesn't mean squat in the business world. Totally. That, I mean, that that's an ex- extraordinary story. I mean, to, to number one, play through that game, but then after that injury and after being demoted to come back and win another national championship, that's, I mean, we call that in interviewing, Benji, we call that fundamental ability, but how, what kind of stresses are you able to handle and what kind of a diversity are you able to have come at you where you keep getting up and you keep getting up? It's how do you frame it? Right? For yourself, to me, it's a challenge. Other mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I'm done. I'm saying, no, better challenge. Totally. Can I show them again? And we all know that that happens to us in business, right? Whether it's with that crazy customer you got to deal with or when three employees are sick that day or quit or whatever it is, is your operations manager going to know how to deal with that stuff and take it head on and take it in stride and just make it happen while you're on vacation? And have they ever before, or are you just kind of hoping they'll be able to do it? And that's where those totally. questions will let you know, okay, this person can handle stress. They can handle adversity. That's totally. the real stuff that matters. So totally. there's, there's, there are a few things I think here that 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 sport um, uh, gives you in spades that not being in sport does not. And so we, we've named a few of them already. You talk about fundamental, the ability to stay in pursuit of an obstacle despite stress. Uh, sorry, the, 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 the ability to stay in pursuit of a goal despite obstacles and stress. Um, we've got leadership abilities. So you have the capacity to lead people when put in that position. And, and sorry, I would say the natural wiring to take control and lead. Well, that, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah totally. it's, it's the stepping up to the plate thing. Yeah. Um, uh, you've got tenacity. Are you, are you just gritty? Like we just work hard and embrace the suck and put in the hours. Um, and then the, the other one that I think a lot of people don't think of, which is really interesting, is introspection. Like, like are you coachable? And can you look at yourself objectively? Because if you can't, you, mm-hmm. you know, you don't take feedback very well. You just sort of say, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't if need you your seen advice. That, so someone would label themselves as an athlete. Maybe they're even a professional athlete, but they're super low introspection. Have you seen that? All the time. Yeah. You know, and again, a lot of them slip through the cracks or move through the cracks because of their, their natural the gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get to a certain level, but you always know their ceiling is capped right there. Yeah. So it's like coach will look at them and be like, he can do all this stuff, but that's their limitation. Is That's it. And, and you know, the problem is they become a liability because in the real world, or sorry, in the, in the sports world, other coaches know that and they scheme and they make life harder. And this person can't adapt because they can't adjust beyond what they have. That's it. And it becomes very frustrating. And, you know, in, in the real world, what you're going to see is uh, the frustration will mount quickly on them and they won't have the capacity to deal with their issues because they won't look internally and then they won't have, they've never had the wiring to have to work to adjust and improve because they never had to. And that to me is something you got to be very careful and that's why we can't just label uh, great athletes because a great athlete could have been great because they were so superiorly gifted. They made it through, but that will never transfer. And, you know, they just make for uh, uh, great stories and great stories yeah. of the old days, but that's something that doesn't transfer past. And I, I played a lot of them because, you know, there's a lot of unbelievably phys- physically gifted people out there and sports is there for them. Uh, but elite sports sooner or later will test you beyond that. And it's going to challenge you at a level past your physical ability and psychologically. And so the very few can have a long lengthy career purely on being physically gifted. And that's why I think making it is different than having a long lasting career where you've been successful over time. So I I love all of this and and I want to kind of go more into sort of the, how do we actually assess this when we're sitting across from someone? So so Igor, maybe a question for you, like in, in the realm of interviewing, how do we figure out whether or not someone has these traits that we've identified we want versus 
it just maybe looks like they do on paper. Yeah. Like what kind of questions do we ask? How do we frame the conversation? How do we talk about our business in a way? Like, because again, like it's, like I said, just because you played a little bit of volleyball in, in, in grade eight does not mean that you are going to be an absolute stud. Even so being I, I a pro wanna, athlete doesn't mean. Even, e- making even a pro, being a pro true. athlete doesn't it's mean true. you're going to be a stud. It doesn't necessarily automatically mean you're going to kick some ass in business. So how do, we, how do we actually make, like figure that out for ourselves yeah. rather I than just, be fooled? I just want to start off by saying that I've absolutely made my fair share of mistakes where I've been assumptive. And that's the key word is mm. you will quickly jump to conclusions. You're busy that day, or you're just not feeling on your game or whatever. You're tired from the night before, wh- whatever it might be, but it's very dangerous in general in interviews to make assumptions and, and to take this assumptive approach uh, and to take stuff for face value. And, and that goes with sports or anything else. Let's say they were part of a super high performing sales team before. Was it them or was it just a killer brand where, you know, the high tide made all the boats go higher. So you got to not make assumptions. Uh, The big thing is like, we talked about some of these deep rooted traits, like are they naturally leaders? Do they naturally have a lot of grit and tenacity to just fight? Do they have the ability to take on a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of headwind, yet keep going? And these things, you you need to get deep, deep into the stories of how they started in sports or anything else for that matter, how their career in that sport progressed, the setbacks they had, the injuries that they've had, the shitty teams that they had to deal with in terms of the other players. Did they keep fighting? Do they have that tenacity? Do they have that natural leadership ability? So you got to get really into the details. And it's funny, people will sometimes say to me like, hey, Man, like, like I don't know how you sit and interview someone for two and a half hours. Well, it's pretty easy if you're getting deep into those stories, right? You're going to have a multiple two, two and a half hour long interviews, especially if it's a high level role, if you want to get deep into their career, right? How are you going to learn anything about someone in 10 minutes? You're you know, absolutely not. Again, again, you're going to make assumptions. You, you have to. <laughs> it's all you, you don't have yeah. enough meat to not make an assumption, right? Totally. And, and it's very easy with athletes to make assumptions of this, this, this guy or this girl played this kind of sport and was on, you know, won this, this, and this, but you have no idea what personal traits were, were not there that made that happen versus the environment made them appear good. And that's where I see most people make really bad hiring decisions uh, because they make those assumptions and they don't dig a little deeper to understand what was and wasn't happening. I, I've, I've done that and it's, it, oh, we've it, all done oh it. man, it sucks. I remember, I remember this guy was literally an all-star player for UBC basketball. He's a Thunderbird, like six foot six and just so incredibly strong. And I just, I was like, oh, okay, you're going to be a really good painter. And like yeah. threw him on the job site. And he was there for like a month. He was totally toxic, completely uncoachable, not a team player at all. Totally. And, he, and he left for another business for like a like a buck an hour more, like a month in. It was just, I was just like, oh my God, did I ever, uh, yeah, I, I overlooked was, a few things. At least it was things. only a month though, right? I mean, at least it wasn't too <laughs> Totally, long. totally. But, it, but it, the, the, the point is I, I overlooked, majorly, yeah. majorly. I right? You just was like, okay, like I sort of saw sports on the resume and totally. just assumed that this is a shoe in. Exactly. Yeah, I can tell you, spend five more minutes giving giving his coach a call and, 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 and the coach maybe gives you gives you insight to call one other player on the team. What you want to find out, what are they like after losses? You know, what kind of injuries mm-hmm. have they have they persevered? Have they ever been cut? What are they like in the locker room? How do they treat the younger guys on the team? You know, who are these yep. people as, as people? I know I know you score twenty points a game. Great. I mean, there's a million ways you can get that done. Who are you when it matters? Totally. Right? You know, are you a guy that shows up early, shows up late? Is your locker kept clean or are you letting other people clean up after you? Who are yeah. you? 
And to illustrate that example, Benji, you could have potentially hired somebody else, a different basketball player that didn't play for the Thunderbirds, didn't even get to, let's say, university level, played at high school, was on a team that ended ended up with mediocre results at the end of their grade 12 Mm -hmm. season, but was a way higher performer mm-hmm. because maybe they weren't, didn't have the greatest coach, maybe they didn't have the greatest teammates, but they were an absolute fighter. They had huge tenacity. They were massively goal-focused. The good natural leader um, could handle a ton of stress at them and just keep going, but maybe they were on a worse team, right? But it, th- this is where that digging, you have to dig into the type of career that they had. You yeah. got you to do it on the front end. You got to do the work or you're going to find out on the back end that you didn't. Totally. Totally. So guys, on that note, there's, there's so much more that we can talk about um, in and around how to lead high performers, how to create super high performing culture. But I'd say we bring Angus back for another episode down the road for that conversation. Let, let's do that. I, I know we're going to have him back soon. Angus, I want to, I want to actually end just, just so our listeners can uh, learn like, like where can people find out a bit more about you? Uh, yeah, I have my, my website, uh, angusreed64.com, you know, on social media, you'll get me on the usual, the usual sites. Uh, I speak a lot, obviously with, with COVID lately, it's kind of done a lot online now with businesses, but hopefully we get out of that and I can get back to being in-house, uh, working either at conferences or directly with, with companies on their teams. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of work on trying to make teams elite on improving their communication and ultimately their performance. Uh, but yeah, the usual social media sites. Um, my book is available on Amazon. Thank you, Coach. I have a couple of TED Talks out that are easy to find online. Um, yeah, easy awesome. to interact with. I'm the one that responds to anyone that reaches out to me. It's me. Uh, you, you reach out to me, you're going to hear back from me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. So in summary, guys, uh, number one, athletes, great athletes have a, a chance, a strong chance, I would say, at at being a great fit for high-performing teams. I think that's one big takeaway I've, I've, I've understood from this. It's There's a good just, place to look. It's a good place to look. There's so many parallels between high-performing sports and great business. Number two, there's quite a number of things you've got to do to set up your business to attract mm-hmm. high-performing athletes. And number three, don't make assumptions. It's important to understand still understand the traits you're looking for and to be able to dig because not all athletes are the same no to say the least no not at all awesome angus thank you so much for doing this with us it's been uh it's been really fun and uh we'd love to have you back no thanks for having me guys this is a lot of fun thank you awesome thanks angus hey if you enjoyed this show hit that subscribe button it's what allows us to produce more awesome content for you totally for free